Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Ken York. Um, Nation.com. I'm Jensen. And yes, I'm right now for New York's as a protest vote against Chuck Schumer. My simple question is, what have he done for you the last 18 years? The 41 career politicians in years. Short of unhinge, vote for Dodd-Frank, burden up Obamacare. I won't even mention quantity of easing and that three-plus trillion dollar monstrosity. Or the fact burdened us with every single dollar, the $19.5 trillion debt that happened on his watch. So we're going to get past that for a little bit, and we're going to get into potatoes of today. And I'm going to try to uh, touch on something I don't think gets nearly, nearly a press about the election, which is the impact of things outside of the country levels that impact us very significantly here in the U.S. But we'll discuss the ripple back effect. That's what I call it. So, three less. One, on voter, take the nation, and we'll run about the election. I'm curious in your take. What is your emotional feeling about election 2016? I think it's coming to a close. We're less than a week out. In six days, we will have a new leader elected. Now the question is, how do you feel about that? You gonna miss the excitement? You gonna feel it's over? Depends on the outcome. If you a rock, what election? There's different ways to take on. So take a minute, go you know Twitter at Fix the Nation. You know, feel free to vote, tweet on out. You know, get your friends involved. Um. Back on task, election 2016 and how outside the U.S. policy affects us here in the U.S. We're going to start with something simple. It's money. It's GDP. It's trade. Or in this case, the trade imbalances that we have. Okay. A couple things I'm just going to say up front. We bleed about $850 billion, billion, that's a B, not a M with a million, billion dollars a year okay to trade imbalances all that means is we have 830 billion dollars leaving the US every year like religion because the deals we have don't make sense or the deals we have are being complied with by our trade partners, could be one of the two. Sometimes it's bad deals. Sometimes it's lack compliance. But in either case, if you do root costs, and that's what we do here, step back. Where's the government? Those who made the deal. Those are who's supposed to enforce the deal. Where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen? Now, sometimes people say, oh, but, you know, I'm a free trader. We can't do that. It'll raise the price in America. Well, you're not wrong. In theory, I go back to my roots in high school. 
I'm a free trader. That would be a wonderful thing. I would love that every country on the planet didn't do anything, and we just could free trade all across the globe. That would be wonderful. Here's the problem. No one does that. Yep, that's my reality check for you. No one does that. Very, very, very few people are willing to say, hey, you do your thing, I'll do our thing, we're good. Because everyone, remember this, everyone, every group, every lobbyist, every person has an agenda. Sometimes it's really obvious, and sometimes it's way under the radar. Remember that, because it's really important. So in this case, we would much rather send $830 billion outside this country than address people like the corporatists who have to happen or the politicians having to actually do their jobs, the bureaucrats, and actually apply themselves and put effort into negotiating new deals or having to leverage against another country in the deal to comply. Because those get, those get difficult. Those interrupt cocktail parties and dinners and museum openings, you know, all the things that are really important to people who don't have to play by the rules that you and I have to play by. So we'll skip the lunacy of D.C., the lunacy of the bureaucrats, the elitist establishment at the top who doesn't do their job, and let's cut to the chase about me and you. We are Main Street. We are people that work every single day. We have families. We have, we have houses. We have mortgages. We have jobs. We have concerns, we have dreams, right? Balance impact me. That's the question. On November 8th, we have to go vote. Why would I care about trade imbalances? Here's math for you. The GDP in America is over $18 trillion. The trade imbalance each year is over $800 billion. We're going to do some really, really simple math. 1%, 1 of GDP is about 180, $186 billion. Roughly 4.5%, roughly 4.5% of GDP bleeds across our border to other countries. I want you to think about that for a minute. For the last eight years, we've been buried in a horrible economy where wages go down, costs go up, jobs go away, part-time get created, businesses close. We just go sideways. We become Japan, who's in the 20-something year of an economic malaise that they can't get away from. You don't want to go down that Growth is important. Growth is the economic vehicle that gets you the American dream. So let's go back. We have about 1% to 1.5% annual growth rate of GDP right now. If you were to affect the trade balance half, half way, instead of 830, we drop it down in the 400 bracket. You're going to rein back in. Two and a quarter percent of GDP, half that number, right? So instead of one and a quarter, you're at three and a half percent growth rate. 
And again, you ask a simple question, but what does that do for me? Because right now, we are borderline deflationary in a lot of issues, mainly wages. But we have some sideways movement in inflation or unemployment. There's just no demand. Here's the ripple. If we were to rein that money back in, and it stays within our borders in some way, our GDP benefits. The money stays here, and the velocity of that money gets to take over. Now things like demands for fiscal proprietorships, job openings, job creation happens more here. Because what you're doing is you're offshoring wealth. You're offshoring jobs. You're offshoring demand. I will use a very, very simple one. Think about when oil, back in its day, spiked to about $150. Remember that, that lunacy? Who are the main producers of oil when that happened? Middle East, Russia, India, etc. right? Here's the weird part. Think about the trillions, that was a T, trillions of dollars that left our shores, shoved overseas because we bought oil. Truly, all of those trillions came back to the U.S. in spades that we gained because they're a con- we, we were benefited because their countries gained that massive amounts of wealth. Those companies gained us massive amounts of wealth. It's just money we don't have locally to spend. That just is what is. Now, if that happened again today, we'd be more of a benefactor because we have a better oil-producing nation now than we have been historically. But it still would be a net loss for us. Trade, short version, that imbalance really dampers the economy. And between that kind of trade and this whole globalization of businesses, meaning you have companies that are multinationals. Back in the day, you really didn't. 20, 30 years ago, you had very few companies. Now almost every company is a multinational. If you're a big company, you want to go global worldwide. Why? Because it gets you away from the economic penalty of the U.S. tax system corporate-wise. That's why there's 2 to $3 trillion of offshore profits sitting there because they, have, they can escape the U.S. tax code. Again, it's why we should reform the tax code overall for all of us. So if you were to take this and kind of round it up, why do we let this happen? One, we don't know enough about it. Two, the bureaucrats work for people who are not us. The people we elect have their own agenda. People in Washington, D.C. do not care about the Main Street currently. The elite establishment career politicians hobnob the 1% and 2%. They hobnob lobbyists. They work in D.C. They spend very, very little time listening to us, caring about us. We're actually dealing with problems that benefit us. Let's use New York as an easy example. When the last time any major corporation came into New York, opened up facilities, and expanded versus leaving our state. Separate question. When's the last time someone like a Chuck Schumer actively impounded the table because he's one of the senior people in D.C., because he has a lot of pull, and pounded the table for lower taxes for New Yorkers, okay, by changing the tax code? 
Granted, he wants to lower corporate taxes. He doesn't want to lower individual taxes. Because remember, he's a big government guy. He's a big spending guy. He's one who's been on there for $19.5 trillion and rising of national debt. He loves writing checks with our money. That's why I'm running as a write-in candidate for the U.S. Senate from the state of New York. Vote John Jensen. Write me in. He doesn't deserve your vote, New York. He hasn't addressed inner-city poverty. He hasn't addressed the criminal justice system. We have a failing educational system, and he hasn't addressed that. He wants more money. Do you truly think that we're the number one person in the world, country rather, spending money on education? We're 27th to 28th in the world in the results we get, and it's an issue? The policies don't work. It's a failed system. If you go to FixNation.com, you can read what I would like to do on criminal justice. on national security, on, on the economy, on tax reform, on fiscal responsibility. Very specific answers to what the problems are. All the trade deals, by the way, going back to trade, have things like border tax built into them. They're a vehicle. It's a defense mechanism. If you violate, we can do this. Go down a couple wonky they violate the agreement. We don't, don't enforce a border tax currently happening. So you dump steel here, you get over. You win, we lose. But the people in power who can enforce it don't. And they claim it would be more expensive for us. I got a tip for you. We're already losing in the economy. We're already losing jobs and sales. We're losing in the trade imbalance. What else can we lose? Number two, why have a border tax built into everyone if you're not going to use it? Number three, when you realize we're $830 billion in the red every single time, every single year, we bleed 4.5% of GDP. Wouldn't you think someone who's a leader would step up and actually address it and fix it? Nope, because everybody in Washington currently loves to kick the can down the road, don't they? They don't address entitlement reform because they don't want to make tough decisions when they have to because it's going to go bankrupt in 13 years. Uh, comprehensive tax reform because they just want more money, not less. They don't want to deal with education reform because it's just too painful to have a, a, a really a, that difficult conversation. They won't be there. They get elected, get benefits, get pensioned. Why try? They just worry about getting reelected because that's their agenda. We need change in 2016 more now than ever. Trump's a piece of that, but it also comes more local level. You need to think differently if you want better. As the U.S., we are the number one, number one by far, I might add, nation as a consumer nation. Number one by far. The Eurozone, if you take that whole collection of countries, is about equal with us. But we are the number one nation by far. Our GDP is over $18 trillion. China's next closest is under 12 just to give you some perspective. Even if you take government out of the equation, which is roughly 12% of GDP, you're talking about something well north of $13 trillion just, just 
in the consumer and business end of things. So for all of China, we still have them by a couple of trillion, just if we even eliminate the government piece of it from our GDP. So we have two things we do very, very focus on, but get very much more active on. One, we need to carefully celebrate the fact we have a number one consumer nation on the planet. We need to ruffle our favors, get our little swag back. Where's the, where's the, the, the machismo? Where's the, the, the pride about being America, about being international, about having the best country on the planet? It's my belief. When's the last time you felt that way or the world felt that way? We should act like it. We should talk like it, all right, with humility, but with purpose. When you are the best, when people want to come to you, I got a tip for you. You are what you are. Number two, you need to leverage carefully that position. What that means is when you are the biggest buyer of something, picture Walmart, by far the retailer on the planet. I got a tip for you. They get to walk into a, to someone they buy stuff from and say, we'd like to talk to you about the cost of your product. And that, that vendor needs to listen. You lose a Walmart account, that's a big deal to your company. If you lose Amazon, that's a big deal. You need to responsibly react to them. Now, you can't make no money, but you need to find a way to work with them and lower costs because that helps everybody. It helps your company, and it helps that monster retailer, right? Well, in this case, the U.S. is the monster retailer. We are the number one consumer on the planet. We don't act like it. We act like we're chump change. We get taken advantage of by $830 billion a year in trade imbalances, and we don't even say anything. What is this, foreign aid? That's not the point of the purpose. And the only people that feel pain from that are the people that lose wages and jobs here in the U.S. because of it. So the very people we elect to do what's right by us don't represent us and defend us to the deals they actually made. Leverage our position, but you've got to do it with humility while you carefully celebrate who we are as a nation. Foreign relations, the shift topics. Outside of our borders, we have countries that are just on fire right now that we don't even, we just don't even react to anymore. China in the, in the South China Sea, they don't even, don't even bring it up. The whole Philippine fiasco, Russia in, involved in the Ukraine, unresponsive. Syria, the entire Middle East, we can keep going. We ignore Israel while we reestablish relations with Cuba, who made no changes prior to that adjustment. That makes no sense to me. So we are brutally off track on a policy basis. We are unrecognized as a leader now because we've been so soft and so soft-broken and so inarticulate in what our purpose and message as the superpower, the only superpower on the planet is. You think Russia and China are a league? You're crazy. Nobody has more pull than we do. We just don't act like it because our leadership doesn't get it. We should never deal in good faith with terrorist nations. Never. It's bad for us. It's good for them. Never. 
why would you make an Iran deal? Why? Here's a little bit one more time. Tax policy. Let's, let's go to that just a split second. You have offshore profits of 2 to $3 trillion. But because of the tax code we have, it just sits out there. But no one wants to deal with that. Translation, the corporations who benefit by that don't pay their fair, short, fair share. But no one ever addresses. No one disputes, by the way, the money's out there. No one truly wants to resolve in a comprehensive tax reform way getting that money back in our environment, in our world. It is so brutally defeatist to hold on to this archaic tax policy when the multinationals win, the federal government wins, the elite and the career politicians win, but nobody in the U.S. who's from Main Street benefits. That's crazy talk. Talk military briefly. I can't fathom why anybody who's in the military would vote for Hillary Clinton this go-around. I cannot fathom. She was Secretary of State and did nothing with foreign policy, not one, not a single victory that she can point at. There's a handful and more of countries that are in chaos because of her incompetence. Now, I'm not talking about her specific, but I'm talking about the Policies overall. The overall Obama administration has been nothing but a nightmare. You cannot say, go there, do your job, but don't do your job. And that's the short version. If you're military, go be there, have a presence, but don't engage. Go there, fight the fight, but don't fight it all the way. When bureaucrats run the military, bad things happen. When politicians try to impose an agenda over the military, bad things happen. When we have a very foggy at best foreign policy perspective, when we want to become more of a globalist nation than actually do what's right in America, you can't ask the military to be a global police force and play by a set of rules that aren't their rules and aren't clear and defined within America. It's not right, it's unfair, it's brutally confusing, and it comes, comes across, no offense, as very limp and weak. And one of the primary drivers of the military, they do it for pride, for country. They do it because they believe it needs to be done and it's right. You can't give mixed messages where you're doing what's right, but you're doing what's wrong. Doing what's right, you can't do it all the way. Doing what's right, then go do it. If you're not doing what's right, why are you, go, why are you there? You cannot fathom, if you're in the military, why you would vote someone like a Hillary Clinton in the election in 2016. I couldn't even fathom why you'd vote for a Chuck Schumer. What has he done for you? He wants your vote. I get that. Do you think he's fought your fight? you think he wants a clear, defined foreign policy? Depends on who, you, who his donors are. We don't have any kind of a focus 
as a nation when it comes to the focus of how to deploy and act with our military regarding our foreign policy. We don't even have a list of things from an, uh, a foreign policy standpoint. How come when Russia went into the Ukraine, we didn't immediately economically react to Russia? Did we do that? How come when Syria crossed that red line, Obama drew? We didn't respond. Soft leadership. How come when China and the South China Sea ignores an international decision, we don't even speak up about it, let alone take another course of action? I'm not campaigning for war. That's not the only option on the table. But to do nothing is to silently approve the pathetic imperialism of another nation, another nation and a violation of international code. You can't stand idly by. If you're a pathetic little banana republic, I get that you would stand by. Why would you stand by if you're the only super and you are the largest consumer nation? When you are the largest democracy, oldest democracy, and by far the leader of the free world. Isn't that confusing? Isn't that frustrating? And that's outside our borders coming back in. It's good for immigrants to come to our country. It's bad for us if we allow the wrong people in that will hurt us, harm us, not assimilate, and put us at risk. That's a bad decision, no matter how you slice it. Because we have a trade imbalance, we keep having a deficit because our GDP, we don't get revenue on that. We just lose and bleed money. If we had a higher growth rate, we'd have a higher tax revenue base from our current tax code, and we wouldn't have a deficit as big as we do or a national debt as big as we do. Because we allow a trade imbalance, we have a national debt that's growing beyond repair. How do you justify $20 trillion of money we don't have and deficit spending every single year with no one to stand in front of it? Chuck Schumer won't. He's bad for New York. He keeps burdening us with things, with financial regulations that stop business creations. He stops us with Obama oppressiveness. That's an epic fail, I might add. Have you seen the price of health care recently? Do you truly think it fixed anything? It was the agenda, poor policy, talking point that allowed them, okay, to drive home for their own personal benefit when it doesn't apply to Congress or the administration. Think about that. We got stuck with the check that doesn't apply to them. Isn't that offensive? Everything that happens outside of our borders into this country. And we, the voters, need to understand that. Hopefully you do. Hopefully on November 8th, you vote your pocketbook, a trade imbalance, you vote for change because what we have doesn't get it done. We need new leadership, both in the White House and in Congress, to fix this. You need fiscal restraint. You need corporate and comprehensive tax reform for all of us. You need education reform, criminal justice reform. You need to deal really with inner city poverty. If you don't, the blight just grows. Folks, my name is John Jensen. I am running for, as a writing candidate for the state of New York 
U.S. Senate seat against Chuck Schumer on November 8th. I'd like you to write me in, John Jensen, okay, for U.S. Senate from New York. If you like what I have to say, grab this link here with your friends. You can follow me at Fix the Nation on Twitter, okay? Please follow me. Please spread the word. Because on November 8th, we need to pick change or status quo. And that's going to be critical for all of us. Vote change November 8th. God bless.